This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Has anybody ever been audited by the IRS? I'm not raising my hands. Have you really? <laughs> and so that's not fun. So I've got this picture of the audit. Uh, for a long time, I used to do my own taxes. As a minister, taxes are incredibly complicated, at least they are from my perspective. And so I was doing my own taxes, thanks to TurboTax, you know, came out in the 90s, and I'm like, yes, I don't have to pay anybody any money. And then after about five years, um, I got this note from the IRS, I didn't really know what it meant, so I went to go visit an accountant friend of mine, but he retired, and he told me to go to somebody else, so I went to him. Um, Last name is Posey, I think he's still in town. And so he talks, he says, can you bring in your, five, your last five years' returns? And I'm like, okay. Um, so I'm, I feel like, I felt like I, it seemed that I did it right. And so I bring it to him. And I, I was sweating a little bit, but I still felt like I did it right. And like I said, it seemed right. But you never know, right? So he calls me a few days later, and he says, you, you did a good job, but you did it wrong, Mario. So you have a choice. You can ignore your mistakes and pray to God you don't get audited. But you did them wrong and you owe the taxes. Or we can amend the taxes and my rough estimate, you're going to owe around $5,000 plus accounting fees and uh, penalties. And I'm a minister of the gospel when he was telling me this. I was, you know, a rebellious teenager. I was married in uh, 1996, so I had three kids. And I can tell you, I did not have $7,000 laying around to pay for old taxes. So what are you going to do? What's a minister to do? Nobody else knows this little dark secret of mine. I'm in this room. It's just my accountant, this lady, and myself. And they have to keep things confidential. So it was my secret. Robin didn't know. No one knew. But I knew something in the back of my mind is that God would know. And I've shared, um, we did a whole sermon series on the book of Esther. And, and my wife and I don't really see eye to eye on my perception of Esther. But when she says, basically, uh, if I die, I die. Basically, I didn't see a lot of, like, she was just uh, this courageous lady she just kind of, in my mind, bowed her head and said, let's do what's right. And that's how I felt that moment. I, I just bowed my head. It wasn't a courageous moment. It was a moment of like, let's just trust God in this. I don't feel it. I don't naturally have it. But let me just take a step of faith and do it. And uh, I tell you, that, that little moment in my life in 1995, 96, uh, really changed me because it really challenged me that, you know, we can sing songs all Sunday morning, but the, the challenge is, are you going to worship God in those moments? You know, uh, lifting your hands is awesome. Jumping for Jesus is awesome. Uh, singing out loud is for awesome. Getting on my knees is awesome. Uh, uh, but <laughs> it's hard to do that when uh, you're in your accountant's office and you're not, you know, you have to live by faith. You have to praise Jesus in those moments. And so it brings me to Revelation chapter 2. It says this in verse 2. 
I know all things that you do. This is Jesus writing to the church. I have seen your hard work, your patience, and endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they are not. You have discovered that they are liars. It's interesting. They're very good at pointing out the problems of others, and they're good, and that's a good thing. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this one thing against you. You don't love me, and you don't love each other. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the work you did at first. Here's the thing that we don't really hear too much in our Western culture, but I'm going to read it. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. It's very challenging and sobering uh, message is that they did a lot of good things right, but there was one thing they didn't do so well. I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. It's interesting if you read the rest of the, the passage, it talks about paradise. A friend of mine visited, this is, I shared this message, portions, uh, partial, portion, portion of this message uh, a, long, a couple years ago, but I had a friend that actually went to Turkey and visited the area of where Ephesus was, and they were overwhelmed of the scale of the city. There's still um, some old, big buildings dating back to the first century. There's this amphitheater. Uh, she says that it took her breath away. There's still houses and all that kind of stuff. And uh, during John's times, those buildings were still there. There's a gladiator graveyard there, and, um, and you could tell that people live there. There's remnants of the Temple of Artemis, which is one of the wonders of the city of, uh, of Rome and to the emperor. The population of the city of Ephesus in the first century has been estimated at around of a quarter million people. The city still exists, but guess what? Sadly, you will not find a Christian church in this city. Ephesus was a popular, famous city for the church. Of course, we're, we're reading about the church there. It, had a major, it was the major center for Christianity. In the second century, Christian writers were holding a conference in Ephesus on faith and life and witness. Ephesus was a central place where they, in 431, held a church council. But let me just repeat to you and me, no active churches today. What happened? What happened? And so what happened was that the Lord is faithful to his word, amen? And he basically says here, he says, I know the things you do. And then at the end, he says, but I have this complaint against you. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans. They lost their first love. It's devastating to think that they lost their first love. It, the effect of losing your first love is that the church is no longer there. 
Now, it's a little bit more complicated than that. It's, it's overrun by Islam. But I think if you did some church history study, the church began to infight. And it was like they were fighting each other and they had no clue where the enemy was coming to take over. All these churches are now, many of these churches are now under a different rule. I don't want to talk about the big uh, temple of Artemis, but I do want to say that there's a standard that God has for you and for me. So when I was getting audited, it was based on a, an accounting standard. You know, there was principles uh, of accounting standards that I had to follow the guidelines. And uh, I didn't know about them, but that still did not excuse me from following the rules. That's why from that point on, from 1996, I've had an accountant every year. And he's a good accountant. I thank God for him. I thank God for all my accountants. Uh, David Brennan is one of, uh, he's, he's an attorney, but he also has a degree in accounting. And he helps us with our books at the church. And then uh, Becky helps us with the books. So basically, Becky watches what I do, and Dave watches what she does. And as a church, we're supposed to watch what David does. And, and I feel very good in a sense that an uh, audit could come here at the church uh, because we're doing the best we can to follow the principles. There's a scale that we're going to be measured by. And Jesus is going to measure you and me on that scale. And we need to know what are we going to be measured with. Is it going to be just like I raised my hand in Sunday mornings where I came every Sunday. I bowed my knees every blue moon on a Sunday. It's going to be more than that. And so I'm... Uh, graciously, God has been gracious to me and, and telling me, Mari, there, the scale is more than that. And, and I want to share that with you. The scale is more than that. That is part of the scale, to worship Jesus with our mouth and our hands and our minds and our bodies. But it's more. Because Jesus says, you, f- you forgot to love me and, you, and, and when you don't love Jesus, it, it fails to express itself. Well, when you don't do that, it begins to express of not loving people. And that's what we've been sharing the last few weeks is about loving people, people who are made in the image of God. Old people we need to love. One of the things that are challenged in our culture is that we really don't like old people because they, they remind us of our finiteness and we don't want to be reminded of that. And I'm telling you, if we love Jesus, we are to love the elderly. Amen. We're to love not only the unborn, but we're to love the born uh, that are 70, 80 years old. That, that can be, uh, and I'm not talking about you, Nana, but it can be a burden. You know, they need help with remotes, and they need help with time, and help with the doctors, all that. And so the Lord reminds me is that, yes, by loving Jesus is because you forgot to love your neighbor. You know, there are people that need uh, help and the church can be uh, a great help. A friend of mine told me in California that they build the uh, prisons based on they can, they can determine the future of prison needs based on the reading skills of second and third graders. So if they know that second and third graders are not reading at a certain level. There's a percentage of them are most likely going to be in the penal system. And so which makes sense. So, you know, you can't build prisons when you need them. You have to kind of plan ahead. And so, sadly, California is building prisons left and right. 
And he said the church can make a big difference by loving little second and third graders to help them read, to help them become productive people in the future. So Jesus is challenging the church of Ephesus, but he's also challenging us. He's telling us, he says, listen, I have this one complaint. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You don't love me. And so when I meet with people and they're having struggles with one another, you know, they're mad at their spouse and, or vice versa, and maybe I'm talking to myself, um, is the answer is to love Jesus more. Not to love my wife more, but to love Jesus more. And it oozes out of that love for Jesus, oozes out, and you begin to love your spouse more. You love your children more. So it's a delicate balance. The love for Jesus and his mission is the other thing. We have to love what Jesus loves, and that's his mission. Do you know what his mission is? It's rhetorical, but do you know what his mission is? If I were to ask you, somebody would corner you right now and say, what is Jesus' mission for his church? We've talked about it, to make disciples, going throughout the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. So God has called us all to be in the business of making disciples. And if we're not, I would challenge you, I would encourage you, I would uh, spur you not to be a better discipler, but to be a better lover of Jesus, to fall in love with Jesus again, because he's calling us to make disciples. To love Jesus is to love him and to love his mission. So let's not ever lose sight of that. If Jesus were to come right now and audit our books, we might be okay. But if he came and audited our mission and to see if it's his mission, I'm praying that we'll be okay. But it's not just the church. The church is made of individuals. And so you as an individual, you need to ask yourself, am I doing all that I can to love Jesus and to be a part of his plan, his mission, to love Jesus and to love his mission? So where would we be as a church? Do we love lost people? Do we love uh, hurting people? Do we love people who are, who are just kind of separated from our, our culture? And that's the thing about this culture is, is what I would call uh, is uh, it, fears, it fears the future, it fears death. As Christians, we don't fear death. We're not looking for it, but we don't fear it. We don't fear it. So in the world, it's, it's, it's totally consumed, and I talked about it last week, totally consumed of, of trying to, uh, to live a certain life because they don't want to be reminded that they're finite. And that's what I love about these events uh, called funerals and memorial services, that it reminds us how finite we are. And it says, hey, your time's not forever. And so come and begin to remind yourself that Jesus' standard is to love him and to love his mission. So don't forget, when we read the scripture, uh, Jesus lovingly warns them, I have this one complaint, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. And that's exactly what happened. There was a lot of infighting in the church in the first few, uh, third, fourth, fifth century, and then and it was easily taken over. Um, by an opposing group. Now, the Lord tells us to repent. 
And repent is interesting in our culture. We don't really hear that word that much, but basically says, I'm wrong. Uh, you know, we have a, a, a problem. You know, actually, somebody told me when I was in my conference in L.A. that the, the campus pastor was talking about, you have to say that you're wrong. And that person's response is like, man, you are making me feel bad. And I am not interested in being part of the ministry if you make me feel bad. And so we're raising a generation of, and I'm generally speaking, that repentance is a bad word. But it shouldn't be in the church. Uh, we all are not only are we saved, but we are being saved. And so I'm telling you, I, I, I raised my hand and said, mm-hmm, at 18, okay? And then at, mm-hmm, at 22 again. But let me just tell you, Jesus has continually working on me and saving me. I need saving. Um, and as I shared my stories last week. Jesus is constantly, uh, and I pray that out of my repentance, Lord, I was wrong, that I need you. And so repentance literally means turning back. So what's the application as I'm going to ask the band to come on up here in a second. What's the application for me and you? First, the church in Ephesus is a reminder to us that he does evaluate his church. We have lots of teachers here, right? And you, I imagine you give your classes some sort of test. Eric, you give me a thumbs up. You, give, you still give tests today? Nicole, you give, do you give tests at your age bracket? Yeah. God's going to do that. He's going to test us. And the testing is to not only let, and God already knows, but let us know. You know, we're going to get the paperback. Like, I remember my, uh, I was in uh, college, and I took a Spanish class, thinking I'd get an easy A. And, um, and she turned in my, I, I had to write something. Actually, it was my English, I got the stories mixed up. It was in my English class. And she handed, my professor handed the paper folded. Now, when you get a folded piece of paper, anybody ever get folded piece of paper? Yeah. She looked at me and she goes, is English your first language or second language? And I remember looking at her like, why is she asking that question? It's probably because I didn't do so good. Uh, English is my second language. She goes, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And so she handed me the piece of paper. Uh, and technically, English is my second language, but in real life, it's my first language. There's a standard. There's a standard. <laughs> it wasn't good. Uh, I, I'm dead serious. I said, mm-hmm, when 18 years old, but it wasn't until I was 22 when I had an encounter with Jesus. I literally, my grades went from barely passing to... <laughs> doing really well in school. And Jesus literally changed my focus in school. But anyway, so the first thing is that Jesus is going to, to evaluate his church and his followers based on, here's the criteria, our obedience to Jesus and his kingdom. So not only was the critique to the church community of believers, but also the individuals. The second thing is that what we're really going to be based on, critiqued on, 
It rests on our love for Christ and his mission. The third thing is that we're going to be measuring how we do with saying, yes, Lord, I, I need you. Repentance. So the question we have for us is, have we forsaken God's love? Do you and, and I need to turn around and receive from Christ his love to renew our love for him and to renew our agendas so that we can align with his mission? How can I keep Jesus burning in my heart so I can live his mission? We can simply say, Lord, help me to obey the Father's will. So I'm praying this morning that we fall back in love with Jesus. Not that you become a better citizen. I think when you fall in love with Jesus, you become a better Christian citizen. And I share this not because I feel like somebody's not loving. I, I, I'm assuming that God is going to speak to you. You know. You know where you're at with the Lord. Where are we with obedience to do the will of the Father? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us this morning. Lord, if we need repentance, Lord, I, I need a daily scrubbing every day. Lord, I, I don't want to be like that kid that goes out every day and then he comes home and his mom says, you need a bath? And, and he says, no, I don't because I took a bath three days ago. We know kids like that. And Lord, sadly, we know that they probably all go to middle school. But Lord, we don't want to be that. Lord, we know that when we leave this place and we're living life and things can contaminate our, our minds so easily and things that we might be thinking and, and saying, Lord, we need a Holy Spirit cleansing. And Lord, I know that I do. I know that I do. If you know that you do, I'm just asking you, just ask the Lord to give you strength. Just say, Lord, I, I repent of my ways. I've lost my first love. Your mission is not my mission. My focus has not been your mission. I pray that you do that. Because there is judgment coming, and he's going to put us on the scale. And he loves us so much, he told us that. There's, there's no surprise test. It's, it's a test we knew that was coming. Or thank you, Father, for loving us with giving a heads up. So I, I encourage our people here this morning to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and to be honest before the Father. Let the Holy Spirit convict your hearts. So thank you, Jesus. If the Lord's speaking to you, I'm just going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed, just, just confirm with me. I'm raising my hand so you're not going to be alone. Anybody else? Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. That's neat. It's really good when we have church people who aren't so prideful that they can't repent, that they're humble enough to say, yes, I need, I need to repent. Thank you, Jesus. Hands went all over the place. That's a good sign, not a bad sign. That's a good sign.
We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.